Before I lead us in prayer, I, I would like to mention Dr. D. James Kennedy. Uh, a number of years ago, we uh, did some uh, mission trips to uh, Chicago, and uh, we, we stayed at a church in Chicago, Covenant Presbyterian Church, and uh, I was uh, put in the library uh, to uh, sleep at night. Well, what could be uh, greater than a pastor being assigned the library to uh, go and uh, spend the last minutes or hours of his day? As I was in the library, I came across a book by Dr. Kennedy that uh, I found to be uh, quite helpful. And I would read it and, and read it, and then I took it home with me and wound up uh, writing down things from the book. And uh, all of that to say that uh, I am being helped greatly this morning in this message uh, from those uh, uh, words from those pages that I read in Dr. Uh, Kennedy's book. I have uh, mentioned this in the past, but let me, let me do so again from the book of Hebrews. It says uh, that uh, though he is dead, yet he still speaks. And uh, that is going to be true today in reference to Dr. Kennedy. He is with the Lord uh, Jesus in heaven and with the other saints. And so uh, even though he is dead physically speaking, uh, he has still left fruit here on earth that we will be partaking of today. Well, having said that, let me uh, lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we ask for your kindness to be with us now as we go into your word and seek to understand it and have it applied and, uh, well, to be, uh, to be changed by it, to really have it become part of our lives for your honor. So, Heavenly Father, please, we cry out to you, hear our cry, and come upon this time with your gracious blessing. We pray to you through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I have read that alchemy was the precursor of chemistry. And the great quest of the alchemists was to transform something common into something precious, to change ordinary metals like lead into gold. They failed in their quest. However, our God, who never fails, always changes the lead of his people's lives into gold. He always works all things for our good. Our almighty God takes whatever comes into our lives and makes it produce a good result. 
I'd like us to consider that wonderful truth this morning using Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29 as our text. Let me read Romans 8, verses 28 and 29. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. From Romans 8, verses 28 and 29, we will have five points in our consideration of all things for good. And point number one is this. God works all things for our good. Point number one, all things. The opening words of Romans 8:28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good. That is certainly a tremendous truth. Everything that comes our way, not just a few things that come our way, not some things that come our way, not even many things that come our way, but everything God takes and works for good for his people. The words, all things, in Romans 8.28, I remind you, were not penned by what we might call an ivory tower theologian, a person who had been separated from real life, a person who had never been in the trenches of life. No, the Apostle Paul knew the harsh realities of life and had the wounds to prove it. In his lifetime, Paul experienced loneliness, sickness, hunger and thirst. He could list dangers imprisonments, assassination attempts, scourgings. He knew what it was like to be opposed, to be hated, to be lied about, to be unwanted, unappreciated. He knew the pressure of concern for others. He knew heartbreak. Yet, he is the one who wrote, and we know that in all things, God works for the good. Point one, God makes all things, pleasant things, hard, difficult, painful things work for good. When Paul first went to Rome, you'll remember that he was in Rome under house arrest. And under house arrest, 
he was chained to a Roman soldier. And the believers in Rome were divided in reference to him. Some were for him, but some were against him. In fact, some of the believers tried to make things even more difficult for Paul. But listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You'll remember that Paul was about the gospel. His passion was the gospel. And he saw, in reference to what was taking place in his life, that what has happened has really served to advance the gospel. And he goes on to say at the end of verse 18, and because of this, I rejoice. Point one, all things, all things, sorrows, difficulty, challenges, even our sins, God graciously works to our good. Point number two, for good. God works all things for good. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good. Listen to this quote from Dr. Kennedy. God makes it clear that whatever event comes upon us, no matter how grim, as soon as it touches our lives, the hand of God will reach down and take it captive. And God will not let go until it yields up its treasure to our soul. That is the promise of the Almighty. He will not let go until it yields up its treasure to our souls. William Cooper was a Christian man, and he was a great hymn writer. Cooper, of course, was not always a Christian, and at one point in his non-Christian days, his life was in shambles, and he was so filled with despair that he decided he would take his life. He swallowed poison, but the poison did not kill him. It only made him terribly sick. Not to give up, Cooper bought a gun and tried to shoot himself, but the gun would not go off. He threw the gun away. He then got a rope and he tried to hang himself. But as he hung there, the rope broke. In utter desperation, Cooper hired a carriage. He lived in the 1700s. He hired a carriage in London and instructed the carriage driver to take him to the Thames River, 
where he planned to jump in and drown. But the carriage driver could not find the Thames because fog had settled in so thickly in London that even a professional London cabbie got lost. Cooper went back to his room. His eyes fell upon a Bible. And because of his despair, he opened up the Bible and he began to read it. And as he read the Bible, he read of a heavenly father who loves his people. He read of a heavenly father who cares for his children. And Cooper that day embraced Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and became a child of God. And so what started out as a time of despair for William Cooper ended with him believing in the Lord Jesus, becoming a child of God, and receiving the gift of eternal life. Point two, for good. God works all things for good. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and then verses 8 through 10. Before we leave our second point, I want us to see from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 two ways God uses adversity for good in reference to his people. First, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Use one. God uses troubles and sorrows to make us compassionate, sensitive, helpful people. Verse 4, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. Dr. Kennedy tells of a lady who had a two-year-old boy who climbed over a fence, fell into a boat canal, and drowned. Her church was small, and almost everyone in the church came to visit this woman. The grief-stricken mother later told her pastor that while she appreciated the outpouring of concern, the presence of three people, however, had comforted her the most. Three other mothers who had also lost young children. Dr. Kennedy says, tears equip us for the office of sympathy. And then second, 2 Corinthians 1 verses 8 through 10. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, 
about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we even despaired of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. The end of verse 10, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Use two, troubles and sorrows draw us closer to God. Verse 9, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God. Verse 10, on him we have set our hope. A man was sitting on a train and noticed a, a little girl about six years of age running up and down the aisle, making friends with everyone, laughing, having, having a wonderful time. Try as he might, he couldn't tell which of the other passengers on the train this young girl belonged to. Suddenly, the train whistle let out a loud shriek, and the train roared into a dark tunnel. And when it came out the other side, he noticed there was the little girl cuddled up in the lap of her mother. Troubles and difficulties are used by God to remind us to whom we belong and to draw us closer to him. All things for good. And that says to us how thankful to God we should be for his sovereign control and love in reference to his people. How thankful to God we should be that in his domain, he makes sure that all things are for good in reference to his children. It also says not only are we to be people who are continually thankful to God, but we are to be people who are optimists. That's right. We are to be optimists. As we go through our days, we are to be optimists because of what we're learning today from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. William Cooper, in one of his hymns, wrote these words. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. The third point, the third point I'd like us to learn this morning is all things for good is a blessing reserved for God's children. What we are covering today is not the case for everyone. Point three, all things for good for those who love 
God. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Keep, keep your eyes on Romans 8, 28, please. Notice in that verse that Paul does not say that all things will work for the good of everyone. Uh, There's a maxim, uh, part of the wisdom of this world, which says, behind every dark cloud, there is a silver lining for everyone. God's word in Romans 8.28 does not teach that. Indeed, everything does not work out for the best, for unbelieving people. Everything did not work out for the best for Cain in the book of Genesis, for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of Genesis, for Pharaoh in Exodus. Everything did not work out for the best for Achan in Joshua, for Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's sons, and King Saul, and Goliath in 1 Samuel, for Haman in Esther. Everything did not work out for the best for Judas, for King Herod in the Acts. People who do not love God, people who live ungodly lives, sooner or later, have their lives filled with the temporal judgments of God. And they go on to plunge headlong into hell, from which no one ever returns. That is not experiencing the good. However, to those who love the Lord God, to those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to those whom God has chosen, called, and justified. God graciously works everything together for good. This wonderful blessing of God is for his people, those who have turned from their sins and cast themselves upon the Savior, Jesus Christ. I think we can use a story Uh, an illustration that our Lord Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 7 to bring this point to a close. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells the story of two men. The first man is one who hears the words of the Lord Jesus and embraces them. I think we can say about that man, here is a man who who loves the Lord Jesus, who wants to obey the Lord Jesus, who wants to follow the Lord Jesus. Jesus tells us that when the rain came in that man's life and the streams rose and the winds blew, that man stood strong in life. He did not fall because of his relationship to the Lord Jesus. 
I think we can also say that that man grew and profited from those experiences. But the other man, says Jesus, is one who does not embrace his words. I think we can say the other man is one who does not love the Lord Jesus. He is not interested in following the Lord Jesus. He certainly doesn't want to give his life over to the Lord Jesus. Jesus tells us that when the rain came in his life, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, that man fell. He collapsed with a great crash. All things for good for those who love the Lord God, who belong to the Lord God. I think it would be a good thing for me to ask you this question at this point. Do you belong to the Lord God? Do you love the Lord God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you a child of the heavenly father? Point four, the good that Romans 8.28 is referring to is being conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. We go to Romans 8.29 to see this. After we read and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, we have these words in verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. I don't know what has been going through your mind this morning as you have been hearing about all things for good for those who love God. Perhaps you have thought that the good is that which would improve your earthly prosperity or that which would fulfill your earthly desires. But God is promising something that is far greater and far more important than earthly, temporal, fleeting satisfaction or advancement. He is talking about our spiritual good. He is talking about our growth in grace. He is talking about our eternal well-being. He is saying to us, I will take all the things that come to you and I will sanctify them to your spiritual eternal good. In all situations, I won't waste one. I will work for your spiritual advancement. The advancement of being conformed to my son, the Lord Jesus. When through the deep waters I call you to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow, for I will be with you your troubles to bless and sanctify to you your deepest distress. 
When through fiery trials your pathway shall lie, my grace, all sufficient, shall be your supply. The flame shall not hurt you, I only design your dross to consume. And I have a lot of dross that needs to be consumed and your gold to refine. Dr. Kennedy tells of a man, Merle Womack, who sang in his church. Merle Womack had been in a plane crash and had suffered burns over most of his body. I remember seeing Merle Womack and being taken back by his physical appearance, seeing him either on television or, or whatever. Yet Dr. Kennedy said, I will always remember when he sang, Oh, how I love him. How I adore him. The crash, the burns were used by God to intensify Merle Womack's love for the Lord Jesus Christ. The good of spiritual growth. Let me put it this way. The good of spiritual character. Oh, do we need people of character today. Spiritual character. The character of the Lord Jesus. And that's what Romans 8 28 is promising the good in all things for God's people is the spiritual character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you disappointed? Are you disappointed that this is the good that God has given over to working? Would you rather have more possessions? Would you rather have dreams fulfilled? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? To know the Lord God and to be fashioned after the image of the Lord Jesus, they are what life is all about. And that is the promise of God to his people. Our last point this morning is a question. Do you know? Do you know what we have been covering today? Do you know in your mind? Do you know in your heart? Do you know in your life, all things for good, for those who love God, the good being fashioned after the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you experiencing what we're going over today in your life? Would you like to know this truth? Ask 
the Lord Jesus, to work on your heart. To work on your heart and show you your sins, your, your sinfulness, your need of a Savior, that he is that Savior. Ask the Lord Jesus to work on your heart and to enable you to go to him, receive his forgiveness, give yourself to him, and become a child of God. Romans 8.28 starts off with the words, and we know, meaning this wonderful truth can be known. It can be possessed. It can be experienced. And so ask the Lord Jesus to take over your heart and life to be your Lord and Savior and to make you a child of God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for showing us once again just how great your love is for your people. Just how great your commitment is in reference to your people. Help us to be thankful people and help us to be people who go through our days with optimism because our God is a sovereign God who carries out all things in the lives of his people for good, making them more and more like Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, would you please also work bringing people to yourself who are not in the Lord Jesus? Would you please also work on their hearts, enabling them to see themselves as they really are, to see Christ as he really is, and to embrace Christ out of love for him and out of a desire to live for you. Would you, Heavenly Father, please work unto eternity in the lives of those here today who do not have an eternity in heaven waiting in Jesus' name we pray, amen.